All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Retrovania Mania. This is a retro with my guest, Corey. Hello. Well, you're you're kind of the, the co-host, not really a guest. Um, well, whatever. You're a pseudo-guest co-host today. But we got actual guests today, and they are... The uh, the team that worked on the game Habroxia Two. Um, you guys want to introduce yourself a bit? Sure, I'll start. I guess uh, I'm Barry Johnson. I'm the programmer type guy here. I do a lot of other stuff, but that's my main focus. And I'm here with Wayne. Do you want to go next? Yeah, um, I'm Wayne Kubiak. I do all sorts of art, but mostly here it was pixel art. And uh, I did pretty much all the art for Abraxia, too. And then we got Anthony over here. Hey, everybody. I'm Anthony, also known as Hang On, Get Ready. And I did all the audio, so the music and the sound effects were from me. All right. Hang on, get ready, everybody. You're in for, uh, well, a podcast, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say show, but there's not really any moving parts on the screen, so... Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, let's uh let's get into it a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Let's uh start with some things about uh, about you guys. So Barry, we'll start with you because on on the sheet that I'm looking off of, you're the first one. Oh yes. So I, I forgot about this. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's yeah. uh tell us a little about yourself. Are you sure. So I've been in a. For four years now, this is uh, my fourth release. Uh, my favorite moment is the end of Wind Waker. I love that uh, that animation when you do the the parry attack and just sink the sword. Oh, spoilers, I guess. Sink the, sink the master sword into uh, Ganon's skull, and then just the ending ending scene that follows. That's my favorite moment. Uh, let's see. And a fun fact is that I used to be a big trophy hunter. I was second in Canada for, I think, two years. And I think that's something I have in common with the host. But I left that behind me to focus on making games. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, some of you know, I was pretty, pretty obsessed with trophies for like nine, ten years. Corey, you still do the trophy thing, don't you? Yeah, casually. And yeah, that's where I'm at these days. What was your uh, your profile name, by the way? Who might know it's uh, it's Breath of Water, inspired by the Breath of Fire RPG series. Oh, that's where that name came from. Oh, I love that. I love those games. Right on. Was was my favorite. There's a little frog dude. I don't know why I remember the frog dude, but how could you forget him? I remember the frog dude. It's like the <laughs> part. I'm not even a big frog fan. Oh, and the place that you're from, not actual Goo Elf. It's Guelph, apparently. That we yeah, it's we, Guelph. I just uh, didn't spell that very well for the yeah, pronunciation. We were, we were talking in the Discord, pronounce that, and uh, Goo Elf came up as one of the ways of attempting to uh, state it non-verbally. So. Yeah, I didn't think of the W. Wayne had me on that. <laughs> I, I guess Goo Elf is kind of close. You, you can see where I was going. Yeah. 
You said like the micro machine man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, next game that you create, you're gonna have to put a goo elf in there. You have to. <laughs> nice enemy class. Yeah. Is that like the uh evolution of a slime girl? <laughs> next you have goo elves. Slime girls and goo elves, I like it. Do a palette swap. And we got a whole gaming concept coming uh, already. All right. Um, what about you? Oh, I did. Um, you did say uh, you like playing with your dog, Lily. So that's, I guess, where Lily Mo came from. Oh, yeah. I missed the uh, hobbies what's, and whatnot. What's the, yeah. what's the Mo section? So that's kind of a long story, but... Uh, all of my friends in high school would call me Johnson, which is my last name. And I had a car, which was called the Johnson Mobile. And then eventually I became Johnson Mo. So when Lily came around, she just became Lily Mo as a nickname. Oh, so it's like a car dog, dog car. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to like not think of that now if I, after I see uh, Lily Mo. I mean, I know the, the symbol has a dog on it, so that makes complete sense. And then the, the Mo is... All right. My it's just a nickname. <laughs> An affectionate nickname. I kind of want to draw Lily Mo and put wheels on her now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Very literal crowd over here. <laughs> That's what the goo elf can ride. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the fateful steed of the goo elf. All right, um, we'll mix things up on this sheet. Anthony, you're next. Um, All right. So, hi, uh, Anthony. Hang on, get ready. Um, in Buffalo, working on games now for about eight years. Um, got about seven games that I've worked on, if I got my list correct, including games that have yet to come out. So that's pretty a pretty much a bigger number than I expected to find when I actually started to list things. Um, the latest title I worked on was obviously Hybraxia 2 because it just came out. Um, not sure when this goes live, but on uh, February 3rd. Uh, hobbies, I guess I like listening to and playing music a lot between um, doing chiptune stuff and messing with analog synths. Uh, playing disc golf, Magic the Gathering, video games, obviously. And uh, I guess my favorite gaming moment would be a tie between beating Dracula in Castlevania without getting hit at Wayne's uh, bachelor party and the absolute freedom and feeling found in playing Flower on uh, PlayStation consoles. That game was something like I'd never experienced before. Right on. So is that can, your, can we... was that your most memorable part about your bachelor party too? This Dracula <laughs> down without getting hit, without um, <laughs> Anthony getting hit. It was... It was definitely a kind of a blur, but uh, <laughs> Anthony, do you want to elaborate a little bit about the whole story about that? So I, I'm pretty good at Castlevania One on Nintendo. Um, I just it's just something I've played since I was a kid, and it's probably my favorite game of all time. And I've spent a lot of years getting good at it and learn trying to learn how to do a no death run, which I haven't finished yet, but I will someday. And um, our one friend Bobo was trying to beat the game, I guess, forever. Um, and he finally got all the way to Dracula. And I was kind of like coaching him through it, giving him like hints, but like not really, uh, not really telling him what to do, but kind of you know pushing him in the right direction. He finally got to Dracula, and he just couldn't do it. He must have been playing Dracula for forty-five minutes to an hour. He just 
he was frustrated. He was he was upset. He uh he he gave me the controller. He was like, "Yeah, man, just do it." And I was like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, man, like whatever." So I was kind of just like talking to him while I was doing it, and I feel like I was half paying attention. It was a lot of muscle memory, and there was some luck involved. And I just happened to go through without getting hit. And as I was, uh, people were starting to surround the TV, and they kept telling me not to do him like that. But I didn't <laughs> really pass up an opportunity to finish Dracula without getting hit. That's you awesome. totally like ruined him. Yeah, <laughs> just, like show him up. He was never seen again. <laughs> I was really proud. And uh, so that was fun. <laughs> Um, I was also a big, big into Magic the Gathering um, for many, many years. It was my, basically what I did before I started trophy hunting. Was, that was my life. I don't know how hardcore you were um, or are, but. Um, I, I've been kind of playing this for a while. Sorry. But um, it was short-lived because COVID hit. So uh, I was starting to ramp into it and going around and playing some games here or there, both locally and at some of the bigger events in like Syracuse and stuff. But. You can't really do that these days. Um, and yeah. I also used to play a lot of Commander with Wayne and a crew, but then Wayne moved away, so no more Commander with Wayne. Yeah, sorry. Maybe next time I'm back in town, we'll, we'll get a group together and play. I should hope so. I've been kind of playing on and off since Revised? Some yeah, Somewhere that, around there? That was That's way before me. I was Ice Age, for sure. I was like... I, I was a wee Wayne. Legions and Onslaught was when I uh, first learned about the thing. All right. And, uh, oh, also, did you ever uh, do any damage or harm to anything living with uh, throwing axes? I just got to know. Oh, God. <laughs> nothing, nothing that wasn't supposed to be damaged by it. So um, to, to elaborate on that, I was part of an axe throwing league before COVID started, and we were in the middle of my second season when everything kind of kind of shut down um and I'm, I'm, I'm okay and i'm pretty i'm pretty decent um higher higher middle tier of the group but they've all been doing it for a long time so it was really fun but um i've never i've never damaged anything or anyone that wasn't supposed to have been damaged thankfully sounds good i'm glad i'm relieved all right uh wayne your turn what did i do now I mean, yeah, I, I made stuff for, I don't know, right, right about as long as Anthony has, like, eight-ish years or so. Um, I've released about ten games. Uh, I, I've worked on a ton of other stuff that either hasn't been released or is in a work in progress and all that kind of stuff. Um, pretty much the, the latest thing I've released is Cyberaxia 2, but... Uh, in the past couple of years, I just released uh, Super Bernie World, uh, Freedom Finger, obviously Hybraxia 2, uh, first Hybraxia, and Anthony and I have been working on a game called Junk Puncher, and I don't know, lots of games. I, I just can't stop making games. It's It's a problem. I need to go outside. Well, if you're having fun with it, then... Hopefully. It's true. I, I love it. Like it, it's one of those things. Uh, I was a graphic designer for a really long time, and this kind of fell into my lap. And this is pretty much all I've wanted to do. So here I am. 
Sounds good. What about some hobbies, interests? Uh, I dabble in a couple of things. Uh, mostly, uh, I, I really like digging into like games history and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, you know, being so uh, much into like pixel art and all that kind of thing. Uh, I, I like to play the weirdest, oldest, and obscurest stuff for no particular reason. It, it just kind of fuels me and adds to my, I don't know, creative energy, I guess. And then, uh, I don't know, beyond that, I, I actually like going outside as much as I profess that I don't go outside too much. Well, these days, but you know. Well, you can go um, outside. Just... Actually, all the places that we can't go are inside places. This it's true. Although it is very cold outside, um, so I don't know how much you actually want to be outside at this point. Um, it, it's not too, too bad here. Uh, I, I live in northern Virginia, and I used to live up in Buffalo, so the, the weather difference is quite a huge difference. So everything feels super warm here, so I can go outside in a hoodie and be totally fine with that. And we've only gotten, like, a little bit of snow. Well, compared to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, however, going back to Buffalo, you're going to be freezing. I used to be, uh, I used to come from Ohio and I moved, uh, south and it would be, I'd be fine going outside with shorts and 28 degree weather. Now I need a jacket if it's like 65. It's pretty bad. My Yeah, here after like a bunch of years, your blood kind of thins out a little bit and it kind of changes how you react to different temperatures and whatnot. Yeah, that is what I've heard, and I have definitely experienced it. So, what about you, gaming moment-wise? Um, it, it's so hard to pin down, like, gaming moments for me, just because, like, pretty much a huge reason why I play games is those individual moments and, like, the little things that you experience with yourself or your friends or, like, it... it whether it's like beating a boss or like just doing something really goofy with a bunch of friends or I don't know what uh, every little thing creates that like particular memory. So it's hard to like just lock down one particular thing. Yeah, that's actually the problem with a lot of the what is your favorite question? <laughs> I always struggle with those anyway. Um, and then, uh, you say you had a weird path into games from graphic design and metal bands into a jaunt of game journalism. Any strange stories of like aha moments or anything like that? Or? Um, the, the kind of the long of the short. Uh, I, I spent a lot, a lot of my life kind of just dorking around in various metal bands and playing shows out of town and stuff like that, meeting different people. And it kind of accidentally led me to making games. Uh, Anthony replaced me in one of the bands that I was in. And that's more or less how we met to, before doing all the game stuff and whatnot. And it wasn't like a hostile takeover. I think Wayne was out of the band for approximately a year before I, I joined. Okay, I was going to Yeah, say, yeah. Was, was this some situation where all the other band members were like, you know, this dude's better than him. Uh, I'm going to go with that guy. I will say Wayne is better than I am at that. Okay. For sure, he's a way more than I ever was. 
you guys are still friends, it sounds like, at least. I hope you are. So. Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> I wonder. So I guess no bad feelings over that that uh, that band swap there. No, no, I, I was going through some stuff in my life, and like I just I I couldn't do the band thing, and it, it's kind of funny because everything kind of imploded on me, and that led me to essentially writing about games with Anthony and then just making games now like w without that it wouldn't have ever happened so no regrets all right sounds good um no regrets no regrets <laughs> um all right so let's um I, don't know, I guess we could talk about Abraxia 2 a little bit because that just came out and well that's Part of the reason we're interviewing you guys. So, all right, we made a video game. Yeah, a very, a very good one. An oh, awesome one. I liked I it. Appreciate I appreciate that. Um, so this might be, I don't know, a little bit more for Barry. Um, but how hard was it to switch gears from creating and making Twin Breaker to uh, switching up Broxia too? Uh, not hard at all, really. I mean, I'm always thinking about different games, and uh, I was thinking about Hybroxia too while I was making Twin Breaker, or what at the time was like a patch or a DX version. That's how we were thinking about it at first. But uh, yeah, I love to play all kinds of different games, and it's not really a... I don't really have to switch gears or anything when I start working on a different type of game. It's kind of the same, the same skill to me, I guess I'd say. Okay, yeah. I mean, it seemed like in um, Abraxia 2, you, you kind of mashed up a few concepts, like shmups but plus twin-stick shooting, plus, uh, I almost want to call it like a rhythm thing for the special weapons. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was hoping people would pick up on. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked that concept. So, just having unique concepts in the games, do you, are you playing, um... Like, while you're playing some other game, you're like, oh, we should just put this this concept in there and then just mash them up a bit. Um, yeah, it's less of uh, finding something and mashing it up and more like uh, seeing an idea I like and figuring out why I like it and trying to pursue that reasoning in a different manner that works within our game. So I try not to... For that rhythm thing we're talking about, that was kind of inspired by the... Gears of War active reload, but but it is different, you know, like it's a different system. It's just uh, the same kind of thinking with the reward for the timing based reload, where if you hit it right on the on the flash, you get the strongest shot. Yeah, and then you also have um, I don't want to call it maybe strategy is not the word, but I did find some of the special weapons. Um, were much more beneficial to like keep to the beat with. The other ones were better to kind of just save um, and stock up on. Sure, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else? Corey, are you still there? Yeah. Uh, while we're on the concept of the active reload with the special weapon, I love the sound design that you guys put in there with that. Um, I found it very fun to play with headphones on, and you just listen for that little ding, and then you know that you're Special's ready, 
And I, I don't know that that was just, it was very different from anything that I've ever played before. And it was so fun to just wait for that one, two, three, fire, one, two, three, fire, or whatever the cadence was. It was just very brilliantly done. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's up to Anthony as well, of course. He was doing all the sound effects for us. He actually uh, sold me on that over time because I had a, a temp effect that I was using. And I was so used to it, hearing it in my brain that when he when he gave me the new one, I was just like, no, this, this is wrong. This isn't this isn't what it's supposed to. But then I played with it and I was like, oh, wait, this is better. This is the one. This is it's just I've been so used to hearing those sounds that my brain was like, no, this isn't the sound. <laughs> You're so used to hearing sounds, you're just uh, hearing them in your sleep. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I have dreams about the, the games we're working on all the time. So I want to bring up one more interesting thing about the special weapon effect and the sound that goes with it. I played with headphones, and then I had a few minutes before lunch, so I took the headphones off and I tried to play. I was terrible. Like, there really is a rhythm element to that, and I just... I love how creative that is. Yeah, I was. I actually didn't notice it initially, so kind of the opposite of Corey. Uh, the first time <laughs> I loaded up the game, I um, I didn't have the sound on because I had uh, people working in my house, so I didn't really want them to hear me playing on my Switch. But uh, the uh, yeah, it made a big difference. It was it was very satisfying. I, I liked it. Good choice, guys. Good choice. One little detail I, uh, I haven't seen a lot of people notice about the active reloading system is um, Wayne and Barry did a really good job also putting the lights on the ship. So when it lights up on top of the screen, it's also lighting up on the actual ship itself. How did I not notice this? Was... <laughs> it's very small. Oh. Yeah, it's a subtle detail, but I really, I really love that that's in there. It's one of those things that it's nice to have multiple avenues of like showing a mechanic as you're going through like both like the audio and visual component. Plus like with, with this whole like rhythm component, you kind of have like a, like an internal clock with it too. Mm -hmm. All right. So how about, uh, how long did it take to develop Abroxia 2? How long was it in the works? So it kind of um, started slower because I was working on Twin Breaker. Me and Wayne were talking, figuring out what it would be, and it kind of morphed. I'm, I'm thinking like nine months to cook this baby. What are you thinking, Wayne? Yeah, give or take. Uh, like the, I think the biggest hunk of the, the work was done in the past like six months, maybe yeah. maybe less, where we kind of like really ramped up. And what, um, when you were making Abraxio 1, like, what what was the, um, I don't want to say reason for making Abraxio 2, but, uh, like, what, yeah, I guess, why did you decide to make Abraxio 2? Why did you decide to make a sequel? Yeah, so, I, when I started making games, I didn't think I would make any sequels, at least not for a long time, because I just, I love so many different types of games and have a lot of ideas I want to pursue. But uh, when we finished up Habroxia 1, I was I was left feeling like I think a lot of game devs do when they finish a game where I was like, I wish we had done this. I wish we had uh, fixed this one thing or made this better. 
and I have more ideas I want to add on. So we're we're starting talking about a patch. We're just going to do a free patch and add some cool stuff on, and uh, maybe people would check the game out again. But uh, we just came up with more and more things, and then it was we were thinking uh, maybe we'll do a DX release of it. Uh, and the more we talked about it, and uh, the more I talked with uh, my partner Colin, the creative director, and uh, our partners at East Asia Soft, who uh, handled the physical release and the porting of the game, we all just decided it would be way cooler to just change things up even more and do a full-blown sequel. Yeah, I think you improved. Uh, I mean, not to say that Hyproxy One was bad, but I think you guys did a, a good job in the improvement department in Hyproxy Two. I was. Uh... I was very happy when I started playing it. Um, I mean, you got other things. You got branching levels, and you got, um, yeah, just, I don't know, thick thing that we were talking about. Just a lot meatier, um, I guess I should say, too. I think if we didn't end up, if we ended up doing just, like, an update or a patch, we wouldn't have ended up with so many different ideas. Uh, going forth to Hyraxia 2. There was a lot of just kind of like a, a natural progression as we were coming up with ideas that really, I don't know, just pushed it to be something a little different. I also don't know if I would be sitting here talking with you guys about it today either because I don't know if you guys would have did a full full new soundtrack. Yeah, I guess not. That would have been a shame because uh, the music is a huge improvement. Yeah, I mean, if you're just doing a patch, there's a lot less uh, revamping and just. I mean, usually patches are just more minor things that you that you tack into tack into something. Yeah, we just had some cool things we thought would be fun to add. It wouldn't have uh, made much financial sense to really put a big budget on adding a ton of stuff. So I guess that's why it eventually turned into what it was or what it is. You guys have any unforeseen issues when you were uh, developing it? Uh, there was some last-minute um, Vita optimization that I was uh, struggling with. I was really crunching with for some a few weeks before our Vita deadline. We had to the whole um, the whole timeline of the project was based based around trying to be in time for the final Vita release on physical. So we were up against a, a hard wall there that we had to be through QA before the end of the year, and there was no slots in December. So we had to we had to really rush to get it all ready for Vita, and that was the that was the genesis of a, our timeline for releasing this project was trying to be involved with that final run of of uh, Vita cartridges. Ah, oh, that makes sense. I, I think anytime you're you're like against any sort of deadline you always end up you know cutting a few things or like things you wish that you had more time to do that kind of thing like yeah, I, there were a few things left behind there i definitely would have loved to add like even more environmental details and stuff like that in yeah i mean it's probably the case in almost every situation well we could have done this could have done that but and sometimes you just you don't realize what you really wanted to add or that you missed out on until after the fact too. Yeah, I do that all the time with many, many a thing in my life. I always look back and I'm always like, hmm, you know, could have done this, but 
On the good end of that, though, like it gives you prospect for the future, ideas and things you can kind of use moving forward. Yeah, stuff for Abraxia 3, right? For sure. Um, you guys planning sequels for uh, like Twin Breaker or Perils of Baking? Or Perils of Baking, probably not. It's been discussed. Um, Twin Breaker is something we talk about, but we're not actively working on. Uh, we will probably do a Twin Breaker too within the next few years. It would be fun to go back to that. Please don't put in eight paddles this time. <laughs> <laughs> you have to use two controllers at once. Dance pad. Now hold on. Oh, that, that's what you should do. Do it with a dance you pad. Could oh, do man. Co was such a How about a steering wheel? <laughs> All your games going forward can have a rhythm component. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could do eight paddles yeah. co-op. That would be insane, but that would be really fun. <laughs> Don't give me ideas. <laughs> that hurts my brain. <laughs> Any uh, funny stories are in development? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think I think we're all kind of funny guys. I don't know if anything really funny occurred. Mostly just ser working hard and being serious about the game and joking around about ideas. All right. Yeah, I guess you guys are just so funny that everything's funny. So yeah, exactly. In comparison, it's it's just, <laughs> we're just jovial chaps. What can we say? Yes. yes. I think that's one of the things you miss out on um, digitally working together is uh, a lot of those like inter-office antics. As much as I love, um, I don't like working digitally with people actually as much as I like working in person, but. Um, you, there, there are definitely some caveats to how natural certain things occur in person versus online. Yeah, or even just like ways that you can interact as far as like development, even outside of you know the the regular antics and goofiness. Just being able to like walk over and be like, "Hey, look at this," or like, "This is this is stupid. Look at this. Is laugh at this." It's also a lot harder to do practical jokes on people. It's true. <laughs> Nearly impossible. <laughs> uh, Corey, you got any other um, Broxy 2 specific questions? I got a couple questions for Wayne, mostly because I was so in love with the pixel art. Where did you draw some of your inspirations for not only Sabrina, but some of the enemy designs and and even you know, environmental effects that you were talking about earlier with the levels? Um, that, pretty much everything I do comes from all over the place. Uh, talking a little bit more about the, the enemy design and uh, some of the world design and stuff like that. Uh, going back to me digging into, like, game history and things like that. Uh, I just dig into a lot of old shoot-em-ups. Uh, everything from your, your staples, like your Gradius and all that kind of stuff to like weird stuff like uh hot b made this game called over horizon for the nes which is just an absolute gem of a game and it just has such like i don't know interesting world and creature designs and stuff like that and just like i don't know it, all that sort of stuff really fuels me 
I will say the amount of obscure soundtracks and shmup videos Wayne sends on a daily basis are, it's unbelievable. I don't know where he finds the stuff. Usually, uh, I I find like a couple weird YouTube channels that just have soundtracks for old games. And anytime a soundtrack strikes my interest while I'm like sitting here working, I'll just look it up real quick and see like if there's like a long play or something of it. And sometimes I just find cool stuff that way. Going down the rabbit hole of uh, music. I, there, there's just so many rabbit holes, and it's dangerous for my the time that I spend not working. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> moving over to the, the Sabrina front, um, Barry and Colin kind of gave me a, a primer for what her attitude was and what kind of a person she was. And then we, we kind of went back and forth. Uh, Barry, I think you sent me like a couple of like, Ghibli inspirations. Oh yeah. We talked about that. I don't remember exactly what we said though. It, it, it just kind of like, it gave me like a jumping off point from there. And, and like, I like a lot of, right. I mentioned, that? Nausicaa. I mentioned oh, Nausicaa yeah. at one point is the attitude. I, I think I said a foul mouthed, uh, rebellious Nausicaa or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. And that that kind of like gave me a jumping off point. And then I started looking at like old 80s space anime, like Robotrek and stuff like that. And the first designs I came up with, like it felt a little too basic. And then I did a few designs and I was talking to one of my uh, friends, uh, Uni, and she gave me back a couple ideas and sketched over what I was doing. And then I sketched over that a bunch of times and then we ended up kind of where we were. All right. Sounds good. Well, the final, yeah, the final product is great. Thanks. Thanks. And like environmental stuff, it, it comes from everywhere. Uh, uh, talking a little bit more from before where, I like going outside and hiking and taking walks and stuff. Uh, right before we hit like the meat of development, I moved into like a new location in this area and everything's kind of like woody around here. And I can actually just walk outside my house and go for a walk in the woods in like 10 minutes, half an hour. And that's what I was kind of using for breaks. And that, that kind of like inspired the more, I don't know, like organic environments rather than like, Hybraxia one was mostly space and like weird mechanical space station stuff. Where this, I kind of wanted to push like, I don't know, like you were going through planets and asteroid fields and things like that. I, I kind of hope uh, doing if we do like a Hybraxia three, like go all in and do different environments for different areas and stuff like that have like completely unique planets and feelings. That would be cool. The underwater planet. The lava planet. I, I feel torn on underwater planets. Really? You don't Things... have the spaceship like transform into a submarine? Uh, I guess that could work. I, the, the first thing I thought of was like the spaceship going slow and I was like, ugh. Well, but yeah, I... We... I water world that definitely pushed to make it feel exactly like the other worlds he could go like full in the hunt 
Uh, in the hunt is a submarine based shoot em up <laughs> made by the people that made Metal Slug. <laughs> Sorry. I'll have to look that up later. <laughs> it's it very much worth looking up because... I love that you just thought we'd all know exactly the game. Oh, sorry, my dog's uh, coughing there. <laughs> yeah, was I the only one that was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> there was silence, and I was like, I need to primer this. <laughs> sorry, this is how my brain works. Rabbit holes. <laughs> all right, everyone listening, you got homework. Look up this game. Yeah, and the hunt is wonderful, and it's it's such a gorgeous game, and you can see where they went to go make Metal Slug after that. So, well, I love the look of the Metal Slug game. So, it sounds like something worth checking out. Oh, very much so. I think there's a port on the PlayStation too. As weird as that is, I the did PS1. play the Metal Slug Three uh, port, and they do have a submarine level. So, as soon as you mentioned underwater, that's actually where my mind drifted to. Well, surprise. They stole from themselves. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got anything else for Roxy 2 related, Corey? Uh, I do. And, Barry, I got to say, I really love the control and the movement speed of the ship. It feels very responsive. I played on PlayStation 5, and... Just the, the way that the dual sense and the game, you know, paired very well together. I really like the feel of that. I'm kind of a stickler because I do play shmups and I feel like sometimes the movement speed is either too fast or too slow. This one felt just right. It was so well done. It's great to hear, man. Yeah, I thought and I, and I were very smooth, very uh, definitely had a good feel to it. Now, it's is it, there is there any like play testing for like when you you just dial it in and you know okay this is how it should feel or this is what my brain felt like it should be the right movement speed because like I said there's there's some games where you just move so slow yeah it's just uh, it's just basically play testing like you said uh, I do a lot of um, when I'm implementing ideas I basically just like hit run immediately and see how it feels and if it does what I thought it was going to do in the code on screen. And uh, I like to, like, I play a lot of games and I, I feel like I have a pretty good judgment of how things should feel. So I like to spend a lot of time just locking that down. And uh, of course, you got the boys play testing for me here as well. They did a lot of play testing and gave a lot of feedback to change pretty much all aspects of the game. Yeah, I think as you go on, like, Playtesting, even with the the people that you're working with, makes a huge difference because it it always spawns new ideas and different things that you can do and ways you can fix things that you never realized before. I, I think that's one of the nicest things, like separation from working like solo just by yourself and having other people like bouncing stuff off back and forth. Yeah, definitely in my experience. Yeah, they, they, good collaboration, good teamwork. Um, anything, uh, I guess, I kind of thought of this while Corey's question was getting answered. Um, anything you, I don't know, regret um, not doing differently in Abraxia 2? Uh, sure, sure. A lot of it's mainly just time, that we didn't have enough time to execute fully on things. 
Um, I mean, I could call out a lot of them. There was a there was one boss that we ended up scrapping. There was a, a side mode, uh, a, a variation of the invasion mode from the first game that I wanted to execute on. Uh, just general balancing would have been nice to get more right, but all in all, this is our best game that we've put out so far. So I'm super proud with not only what we pulled off, but what we did in the time that we had. Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say like, oh sorry, no, go on. I was just going to say, I'm kind of blown away how much we managed to squeeze into our short timeline as far as just like progress from the first game, even. It's just like, it feels like we just crushed it out, out in this, like, I don't know, very squished time. Yeah, I mean, less than a year, and you said you only ramped up in what, six months? Um, that's not that big of a window. Um, but I guess my uh, question was going to be, what was this boss that you scrapped? It was a, a tribute boss to our friends on the Shoot Shimi team. Was it- uh, two of which you may be talking to right now. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Anthony and I have another company in the Andy Games uh, with our one of our buddies, Garrett. And, and Dave. Oh, yes, yes. I, I always get uh, caught up because Dave mainly handles our uh, finances and all the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's the money guy. But uh, essentially, the, the first retail game we made, well, technically the only retail game we uh, finished, uh, is a game called Shuchimi. And it's another shoot 'em up Not that that's a really big surprise here. Underwater, though. It is underwater. <laughs> Let's... Less submarines, unfortunately. I don't know. Just, you, you, just to say, if you hear any uh, heavy breathing, that's not me. My dog is uh, snoring on my lap. Sure. <laughs> oh, Lily Mo. <laughs> I'm not wait, breathing wait. heavily. <laughs> snoring? That means that they find this boring? That. Oh, oh she's, a, she's a sleepy girl. She's always taking naps on the lap. Narcoleptic dog? very chill dog let's say that okay all right i think she'll be more engaged once it's translated to canine oh yeah Corey. um you know how to do that right uh not yet i'm still learning okay maybe the uh the canine episode will be released next month duolingo might be good for that we need to research it a bit all right so um I don't know, maybe some generic questions since, well, you guys are our first uh, devs that we're interviewing, so. Woo! Like, uh, thanks for having us, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, what's <laughs> the wisdom you give for someone aspiring to be a game developer? Or, uh. Should I start? Uh, I guess I would just say, um, start working as soon as you can and uh don't give up i feel like that's the the thing that held me back for so long i didn't start i didn't start actually making games at all until i was about 28 and i wanted to for my whole life but uh i didn't know if i'd be able to or how to go about starting but i feel like if i had just started writing down my ideas even or uh, designing concepts and levels it would have been a, a huge boon to me at this point so if you if you really want to do it and you and you're sure that's what you want to do, I'd say just 
start going at it in any way you can and don't give up. Barry, have you had a mentor along the way? Someone who introduced you to a certain design philosophy or a certain set of tools to use to build games? No, it's, it's, uh, I'm a very, uh, what's the word? I'm a solitary person. I did it. I learned it all on my own. I followed, um, I guess I should say I followed some, uh, YouTube tutorials by a gentleman named Sean Spaulding early on who helped me with, um, the first framework for perils of baking before I was really coding on my own. I followed his, his tutorials to get some moving parts going. I guess to add on to Barry's just do it method, uh, <laughs> definitely that way, but also uh, finish stuff. The The hardest thing is to actually finish making a game. Like you can make and dabble and mess around with things all you want, but like as soon as you finish stuff, you're, you are, you made a game like that. That's what you did. And pretty much like, if you think you're not good enough at making games, you're fine. You're 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 already like way above everybody else that is not making a game at all. You can't get better if you don't start. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, like, a little bit. Um, starting small, I think, is one of the biggest things. I think people need to hear. It's you don't need to make whatever your favorite game is. You don't need to make that. You know, your first time out, like make something digestible make something that is only one level make make something that has one song like you don't have to do a lot to actually finish something it doesn't have to be commercially viable but the more you finish the more you'll build upon things yeah and then the more confidence you get and things like that and uh get the get the uh the small snowball growing into a giant uh i don't know lower section of frosty <laughs> Frosty the Snowman torso action. That's what you're trying to build for. Yeah. I was thinking a little lower, but. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, phase of development cycle is uh, you guys' favorites? Um, the, the inception, uh, creating the design ideas, creating the concepts. Uh, creating mock-ups like that that all like fuels me super hard it it gives me the most creative energy out, out of everything i think for me it's um not the final stretch but right before then when when things are really starting to come together and it feels like a real game and it's not fully polished yet but you're still throwing new ideas in and seeing what happens that's my favorite part i, I agree with both of those um I think Inception would be the, the thing, like with Wayne said, it, um, it really does fuel the creativity the most. Um, the, the highest highs for me come after release, but that also could produce some of the lowest lows, depending on uh, how people view the game. So, so with highest and highs uh, by release, how much sleep did you guys get after Hibroxy 2 release? Uh, I was up really late drinking that night. I don't remember how long I slept, but I certainly stayed up much later than I uh, would have intended or thought. I'll say that. I got woken up really early by my cat. <laughs> <laughs> she She's wonderful, but she also uh, 
at certain points of the morning, she just wants attention and I'll just wake up to her meowing in my face. And most of the time I just turn over and go back to sleep and she curls up and that's good. But sometimes it's just like, oh, hi, cat. Oh, oh no, I'm awake. Crap. <laughs> and that's how I live. Yeah. Um, so what uh, sort of things do you draw your inspirations from? Is it mostly just video games or is it, I mean, I know you um, being outside and things of that nature. Is there anything else that uh, you draw inspiration from? Anything just off the wall interesting that you've at one time drawn inspiration from? Um, visually, uh, pretty much everything. There, there isn't anything that stops my brain from shutting off. Everything I look at and I see, I think about how the light reacts to different textures and how things are created in the world and how I perceive everything. It's just like, it doesn't shut off ever. And pretty much since doing graphic design, that's always how my brain has worked. Yeah, I, I guess I'd say almost entirely video games for me, because uh, I'm more of a, you know, programming, gameplay, and systems kind of guy. But uh, definitely there are movies and shows that I, uh, I see themes in that I like that I want to explore ideas in. Uh, so one of our, our next projects that we're working on at Lilymo is uh, inspired by Bubble Bobble, Donkey Kong Country, and Princess Mononoke. So that's Whoa. kind of a a three-way. Sorry? No, I was just going to say Donkey Kong Country plus Bubble Bobble. Oh, man, you had me at that already. Yeah, it's it's different different themes and ideas. It's not like we're trying to replicate, replicate them. There's just things I like from each of those that we want to pull on. Like for Bubble Bobble, it's actually more just the the interactions that you have with enemies in that game where, like, you don't just kill the enemy, you turn it into a bubble and then you can pop the bubble. You can bounce on the bubble to like go to different sections of the level. Like you can traverse using it. So I wanted to play on that idea of not just executing enemies, but finding ways to interact with them in a different way that lets you traverse a level. What was the third game that you said? Princess Mononoke. That's a, that's a film. So that's what I was getting at. Oh, with the, okay. I was trying yeah. to think, I don't, know what that game is and then okay yeah i've heard of that now now that you say it was a film for that it's more about um the sh the shaman uh of the forest and the the different animals and the some of the stylistic choices that we're looking at for that well while we're on the subject of games coming out i mean maybe you don't want to talk about any uh or any more of anything but any other things down the line that you uh, want to or could mention? That we'd be working on? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Hybroxia 3. We're not working on it yet. Um, Colin's been writing an RPG, and we have an artist that's working on that, but my work has been... I just got a, a basic engine going for that so far, so that's mainly been those two working on that. We're That's a, a longer project that we're going to do. It's going to be a Super NES-style JRPG. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> you had me at uh, SNES-style JRPG. No. <laughs> um, yeah, because those are usually 
Well, they could be quite lengthy, uh, depending on how much uh, you add. Yeah, we're going to take our time with that project. Uh, I guess on Anthony and I's end, uh, we've also been working on a NES style like platformer brawler kind of thing. Is that that uh, junk puncher or whatever? Yeah, junk puncher. Uh, I think games like uh, Ninja Gaiden, Shadow of the Ninja, Shatter Hands, that sort of thing. Late generation Nintendo style two button gameplay. Where you punch junk, unless the uh, the title is very deceiving. No, you can punch the junk. I've seen it. I've seen a video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can check both boxes on that for sure. Um, there's definitely a, a little bit of a pun involved where all of the enemies are robots. So we like that aspect of it. And uh, you can definitely punch like garbage cans and stuff. But also there is a punch that when you're ducking lands in some um, <laughs> delicate areas. Oh. It's a crouching punch. Yeah, it's it goes where it's Not saying that we like our pun names or anything, but we might. <laughs> we have a habit of that. That's probably. I don't know how to estimate exactly how far we are into development with that. We've been working on it for. Calendar-wise, we've been working on it for about two years, but um, we're all working on it kind of part-time, just be between other games and jobs and such. So it's not quite the focus, but it's it's slowly but surely coming together. Um, I don't know, like maybe like 15% in development, if I had to guess, but it's a good it's a good feeling 15%. Yeah, we, we have a lot of like the, the engine and stuff done. The, the, the really like hard nitty-gritty parts, it's just filling in a lot of the content at this point. Yeah, we'll have to kick you guys over the demo so you can take a look at it. I'd love to play. I've been on a binge of old school beat 'em up and brawler games lately with uh Streets of Rage and Scott Pilgrim just got re-released for yeah. PlayStation 4. That one's fun. So I'm I'm gonna keep an eye on Junk Puncher. That sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, we'll shoot you guys over the demo. Yeah, it sounds good. And to kind of bridge the gap here, uh, speaking of projects that are out in the future, if you guys, what would a podcast be without a hypothetical? So if someone of a well-known IP were to tell you or approach you tomorrow and say, hey, would you like to build a game for me? What kind of big uh, intellectual property out there would you just love to be a part of, whether it's doing what you do now or just being loosely affiliated with it oh i could name like like so many um uh i mean katamari is something i'd like to be involved with not that i have a skill set really aligns with a 3d developed game but imagining that in the 2d realm maybe or something like that or just being involved in the team would be crazy for me but uh what do you guys think Anthony, you want to go? My answer always used to be Castlevania, and I had this grand idea for a way to expand Castlevania 3 into this larger experience, the, the not the game itself, but like the ideas in it. And um, then Bloodstained came out, and it kind of took the uh, Curse of the Moon line, and it kind of took a lot of the ideas I had and ran with them, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I get it. So um, 
now, if somebody gave me funding and carte blanche to do what I wanted, um, I would probably, I think I'd have to figure out how to hire the writer for Echo the Dolphin on the Genesis and make the third game in the series and finally conclude that storyline. I think if I were to pick today, that would be it. Does it have to be a well-known franchise? Uh, it can be well-known to you. Uh, th that's fair. I, I guess if it was a more well-known franchise, I, I think I'd want to make a Contra game. Right on. Just yeah, like okay. running gun stuff is really fun for me. And I, I just feel like there, it's one of those, I don't know, genres that hasn't been really explored enough. Like, it, it seems like so many games wanted to just like copy Contra rather than make something unique. Like, even just looking in the 16 bit era, um, the stuff that like Treasure made. It's just like it's so wild and unique, especially compared to every other running gun that's out there. And I feel like people haven't really gone in that direction. Now I want to know what your less well known pick would be. You know what it is, Anthony, and it's Monster Party. Uh, oh, what is Monster Party? So, Monster Party is, uh, I think it's a Bandai Namco uh, at the time. Yeah. Um, I want to. Actually, know who the actual full developer was for it. I'll look that up now. It, it, it's, it was someone that only made like a few games, if I remember correctly. But uh, it's an NES game, and it was initially meant to be kind of like a, a parody game where you went through and you fought different like movie monsters and stuff like that. And I, I guess they probably had rights issues. So. Before it was ever released, it got changed into all these like weird and wacky monsters and like generic stuff. But it made this really quirky, unique story and like like it has such a strange way of playing in general. Your your main character has a baseball bat and you can reflect bullets and stuff, but the levels have like doors and essentially each door has either a boss or uh, something in it, which just creates these like weird boss rush kind of feeling to it. You know, it's such a unique game and it has so much like quirky, cute, but evil kind of flavor. I don't know. It's something so interesting to me. All right. Another one to look up later. Be careful. Don't, don't. What was that? Human Entertainment was the developer. Oh, okay. <laughs> if if I recall, Human Entertainment makes some really weird stuff. This is an interesting list here. Stuff like Clock Tower isn't here, but then stuff like Super Soccer on Game Boy. So there's there's definitely a list of stuff here to like kind of parse through. Yeah, be careful. The longer you podcast with me, the more rabbit holes you go down. <laughs> you can find some interesting stuff. There's just so many... <coughs> oh, pardon me. There's so much cool stuff to search for, and I don't know, everyone's always been making cool, unique games for, I don't know, since games exist, essentially. 
Right, Corey, you got any other uh, questions? That's it for me. All right. Well, um, thanks, guys. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm forgetting something key about ending an interview, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> Hopefully not. I'll think of something right when we, uh, we get uh, off here. As you know, it's us back to record an addendum. Yeah. Oh, guys, can you come back? Uh, we need to record another, like, 10-minute segment. I, I forgot to say good. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome having you guys on. Um, thanks for your time, and thanks for making Broxia 2. And uh, keep up the the awesome work. I was going to say good work, but... Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having us in general. Like, I don't know. It's always fun to like just hang out and chat. Yeah, that's all it feels like for me. It's just just a, a fun hour that I've had of just chatting and laughing and learning things. I've I've learned a lot of unique things this uh, this podcast. I'm sorry. Some games look up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that being said. Um, unless Corey, you got anything else to add? No, I, but I do want to uh, thank you all again, uh, for joining us today. It was really great to hear your insight and just on games in general, but also to celebrate and talk about your new game, Hybroxia 2. Um, I had a tremendously wonderful time playing it. Thank you so much for all your hard work and, and creativity that went into that project. And I yeah, hope that uh, other people continue to support it and play it. And if you're out there listening, go buy Hibroxa 2. It's very good. Very, yeah, very it's good. Yeah, it's not even that expensive either. So. Yeah, 10 bucks US. Fistful of dollars. Yeah, so um, yeah, guys, uh, be sure to check that game out. And um, I did have a somewhat sloppy, rough attempt at a review video uh, for it. Uh, hey, it was my first vid time editing a video, so like we were saying with game development, you just gotta gotta start. So. Yeah, gotta start. Exactly. I thought it was a pretty good start. It gave me some memorable lines. It was great. Oh yeah, what did he call you about? What did he say about the hamburger? The well taped the uh, Well, well done hamburger. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Oh, very yeah. appreciative of that. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that and you weren't weirded out by it. <laughs> it was a very unique way to have the I did describe probably the most unique positive thing anybody's ever said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you guys got uh, links or social media things you want to mention? I'll say for us, just just follow Lilymo Games on Twitter and uh, yeah, check out our games if you want to. All right, I'll post uh, their links in the description. Corey, you guys want to say uh, uh, your Twitters or something? Wayne and Anthony. Uh, uh, do, do you want to just link it in the description because it it's easier than trying to pronounce it and people trying to. Wanyo dose is that it? How you say it? Wanyo dose. Yeah, Wanyo Dose, Wanyo Dose, whatever. Get ready? Yeah, hang on, get ready. You can find me on uh, Bandcamp and Twitter and all the socials, really. I Nobody uses that handle, thankfully. So if you're looking for me and I'm there, it's that's and, what you're looking uh, for. And uh, check out 
Neon De- Neon Deity as well for a uh, junk puncher. Okay. Yeah. Um, NeonDeityGames.com is our URL. Yeah, I'll link whatever you guys uh, send me in Discord uh, in the description so people can check that out. And um, myself will be down there too. And uh, I guess that's pretty much it. So, and then we'll put Corey's stuff down there too. If I think I actually forgot to put his stuff in the last video. Uh oh. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. if you guys. Um, anyone listening has any comments, suggestions for future interviews? Uh, did you like the interview? Hopefully you did. And uh, with that being said, everybody have a good night, good morning, enjoy your games. Thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll see you guys again next time. Goodbye, everybody. Take care.